Hi there, it's Melvin. Just wanted to take a moment to thank the team over at Thryzer for supporting this month's podcast sessions. Thryzer is a payment platform that you have to check out if you are a private pay therapist and accepting out-of-network benefits. It basically helps clients save on therapy up front. Thryzer can help verify a client's out-of-network benefit ahead of the first session so that they get transparency up front on what their out-of-pocket costs will be. I'll tell you more about Thryzer here in the middle of our session, but if you go to sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, you actually end, then enter the code STC upon sign up, you get your first $2,500 in fees waived. Again, that's over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash Thryzer, and be sure to enter the promo code STC. So we'll jump right into today's podcast session. Hey friends, it's Melvin. I hope that you're doing well. So we're actually on break from the Selling the Couch podcast, but I hope that you enjoyed this podcast conversation from our archives. In the meantime, if you are thinking about creating an online course, I know that many of us may be thinking about that right now in the midst of the pandemic and in a post-pandemic world, whether it's just to diversify our income uh, beyond therapy work or uh, just to feel like we have a bigger message to share and we want to be able to share that in a different way. Uh, beyond just our geographic area. If all of that sounds awesome and you've been thinking about creating an online course, I just wanted to invite you to download the free A to Z online course guide. Uh, I launched my first online course back in 2015 to a $297 first sale. And through a lot of just hard work and uh, a lot of trust in colleagues to purchase the course, we've now had over 275 of our colleagues purchase the Healthcasters podcasting course. And I've learned a ton about what it takes to launch, grow, and scale a podcasting course and a course in, uh, in general. And uh, that guide just has a lot of helpful information to help you get started. We're also launching something called Online Course School. This is a live cohort experience. So meaning that this isn't like a digital course on courses, although eventually it will have that. But this is more of a live experience where we therapists can gather over the course of six to eight weeks. And what I will do is I will teach you everything that I know about how to launch and grow a successful online course. We'll start with your idea and how to validate your online course. We'll then work through what your lessons and modules and all of those different things will look like. We'll actually take time and and actually do exercises to get those down. We'll come up with your course title and your subtitle uh, in a way that your students are excited to want to purchase that course. And then we'll talk about actually how to record and market your course as well. And you'll be joined with others in community and you'll have an accountability buddy and a bunch of really awesome stuff. And uh, if any of that sounds awesome, I encourage you to download again the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. So we'll get right to today's session. Have a great rest of your day. 
Hello, hello. Welcome to session 182 of Selling the Couch. Hope you're having a wonderful start to your day. And I hope that if you're listening here in the middle of winter, I hope that you are staying warm. If you're listening way later, I hope that you're doing well. So today's session is a solo episode. I actually love doing these episodes just because I I get to share some of the things that I'm learning along the way. So once in a while, I like to do an episode that's a little bit atypical from sort of the business marketing, like, uh, you know, directly related to that, right? Practice building, those kind of things. And so this episode is actually about the some of the really subtle things and some of the subtle ways that I've things that I've incorporated in order to maximize my own productivity on a week-to-week basis. Hey friends, we are on sabbatical from the STC podcast. This is my first sabbatical in seven years, but we will be back in April with brand new episodes of the STC podcast. In the meantime, there are a lot of things happening still with STC. Uh, Among them is a brand new workshop that we put together for you that you can sign up at a date and time that works for you. If you are a successful private practitioner and interested in launching an online course, you can check out that workshop over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. Again, that's sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course workshop. So I don't know if this will surprise you or not, but I'm a bit of a productivity junkie. And for for a long time, what I used to do was I felt like if I got a bunch of stuff done, I used to put a lot of my self-worth in how much I got done, right? So if I got a lot of stuff done, then I felt like, man, I had a great week or I'm doing really good things. And it's been a lot of work to get past that. And For now, what I sort of see productivity as is a couple of different things. One, I'm just a big believer in the idea of work smarter, not harder. So meaning that I think we can always find very efficient ways of doing things if we do think outside of the box. And then another realization that I've had is just because you spend hours and hours on something uh, does not make you actually productive. This was a huge realization for me because for a long time, I attributed the number of hours that I would spend on something to how productive I was being uh, just as a student and then as I became a business owner as a business owner. And so a lot of that has shifted, especially as I feel like as I've done my own work, as I've gotten older and now with a daughter, definitely things change At a practical level, this means that I just don't have as many hours in the day to dedicate to the business because I want to be a present parent. I want to be an awesome daddy. I want to be an awesome husband and spend time with family and loved ones and all of those different things and pursue different interests and other stuff uh, outside of business. So what I have tried to do is in the time that I'm working on the business, I tried to be as efficient and as productive as possible. And so today I wanted to share just some five quick things that I've done 
a lot of this stuff is based on experience and learning and tweaking. And a lot of this stuff is actually based on research. Much of this stuff, uh, it's kind of funny. I was doing some of this stuff, like we'll talk here a little bit later about naps. And I was doing, I've, I've been a napper forever, as I can remember. And I was doing some of these things. And then it's been cool to look at the research and, and see like, oh my gosh, it's actually some cool stuff if you actually take a nap in terms of productivity and those kind of things, which I'll share more. I don't want to share it all at the right at the beginning. So tip number one is in order to stay productive, I categorize my days. And so for example, I have days or I have half days blocked out just for podcast interviews, days for clinical work, days for marketing, and then days to work on big projects. Like, so one of the big projects I'm currently working on is the STC directory. And so I have days just focused on that. The reason I started to do this is, well, I read a couple of different things in speaking about how some of the most productive and successful entrepreneurs, they actually create time blocks in order to get things done. And what was happening to me is before I started doing this, my mind used to get really distracted. When I would, you know, I would start a day and I'd be like, okay, Mel, you have to do this and this and this and this. Okay, where do you get started? Okay, well, and so I would get started on one thing and then I'll be like, oh, wait, you got to do that other thing. And then I would go to the other thing. And then sometimes I would come back to the first thing, but oftentimes I would kind of go down a rabbit hole I ended up not actually finishing much of those tasks. So at the end of the day, what would usually happen is I would actually be feeling more anxious and more stressed out than when I began. And so I started doing this time block thing and it's been, it's a such a subtle thing, but it's been amazing. And so one of the big things that it's allowed me to do is I just to focus on one thing while having the peace of mind that there are actually days committed to other things. So for example, if I'm like constantly worried about a podcast interview, right? I know that I have Wednesday mornings blocked off of podcast interviews. Right. And so I can free up my mind and free up my mental resources in order to, for example, be more present with clients. The second thing I do is I do what are called four hour blocks for deep work. So deep work is this term that I actually first heard of from Cal Newport, who's an associate professor of computer science at Georgetown. And I actually want to just read the definition of deep work. So he actually has a book called Deep Work, which is a really good book. And I encourage you to check it out if this is something that you're more interested in and learning about. But deep work is basically the ability to focus without distraction on a cognitively demanding task. It's a skill that allows you to quickly master complicated information and produce better results in less time. And so one of the things that I also learned as when I read more about deep work is there are a lot of really well-known people that employ some strategy of deep work. So for example, Bill Gates has been known to actually block out chunks of time. Warren Buffett has been known to block out chunks of time in order to do that one thing. Stephen King, when he writes his books, oftentimes what he's doing is he's writing. And then I read this one book by Stephen King, 
where he, on, on the process of his writing. And I remember him saying that he would block out time during the mornings, um, in order to just write. And just that art of blocking the time out, no matter how much he produced, that was just so beneficial. And then the afternoons, what he would do is he would watch like Red Sox games and respond to emails if he needed to, those kind of things. And then the evenings were usually for kind of rest and quiet. And if he needed to do any sort of like last minute edits or, or something, Something like that, and so this has been so helpful. And and the four hour, I I say the four hour. Um, initially, I started out with three hour blocks, but from a lot of the stuff that I've read, is the four hour, three to four hour stretches of time to do that one thing has been really is sort of like what the research finds to be the most beneficial. So you're probably wondering, what in the world do I work on during this four-hour block of stretch of time? So this is something that I started doing two years ago. And so what I do is at the end of the calendar year, so for example, for we just got into 2019. So at the end of 2018, and if you haven't done this, you can always do it now. So please don't feel like, oh my gosh, it's too late. But at the end of the year, I look at my past year and I spend a lot of time reflecting and then I look forward into 2019. And what I do is I pick one max two big projects that I want to work on in 2019. So, and then what I do is I write my big goal. What I, I'm a big post-it note person. So what I actually do is I have different size post-it notes. So like the bigger ones are my big goals. Then the medium-sized ones are my quarterly goals of that big goal. And then my small post-it notes are my even smaller goals to reach those quarter goals. And so I just alluded to this, which is basically what I do is I write one big goal and then I break them down into three to four step goals. And then I focus on those step goals for two to three months at a time. And what I often do is I break those step goals into even smaller goals. And the reason for that is I almost liken it to climbing stairs. If I'm always looking at the top of the stairs of where I want to get, for me, a lot of times that feels overwhelming. But what I've found is if I break it down and look at each individual step, and what I just focus on is just climbing that first step or climbing that second step, things become a lot more manageable. And the post-it note thing, I think, has been really helpful because what I often do is I put it in my home office at a place where I can work. And what I do is I just focus on that. So I'll, I'll take the big goal and I'll post it at the top. And then I'll take the quarterly goal and post it beneath. And then I'll put the small and then I'll add uh, small post-it notes for the smaller goals. And I just focus on that one thing. So I don't even focus on those other quarterly goals. I kind of just put them off to the side where it's not distracting me. The number three thing that I do to increase my productivity is I take a midday hike or I do some sort of a workout. So I usually do some sort of like high intensity interval training workout. So it doesn't have to be long, 25, 30 minutes. And then what I do is I follow that up with a 25 minute nap. And so the reason I do the midday hike or the workout or just some sort of a walk is there's a lot of research coming out on specifically on how exercise improves creativity. And so I actually wanted to share one of those studies, which uh, put a couple of these in the show notes, which you guys can find over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session 182. But one of those studies is a 2014 study 
by scientists at Stanford University. And that this study basically showed that walking every day significantly improves certain types of cognitive functions that are involved in creativity, specifically convergent thinking, which is the ability to come up with solutions to a problem, and then divergent thinking, which involves more open-ended kind of the ability to generate original ideas. And so there's been some a lot of other studies that have shown that exercise tends to improve convergent thinking especially if you exercise 3 or more times a week and so that's been that's been something that i've i've tried to do just to so this is what usually happens. The morning I have my 4-hour block and then I go take a walk around 1 o'clock if the weather's good and fortunately we we have access to a number of parks nearby and and that's usually what I do. I love just being outdoors and so and so I'll I'll take a walk during that time and that's the time where I'm focused on the walk but I'm also letting my mind wander and a lot of times it wanders to what I worked on this morning and whether it was a good use of time whether it was the best way to do it those kind of things I, I try to take a very non-judgmental approach during that time and see it more as a time to kind of incubate on what I had worked on and seeing if, you know, ultimately if there is a better way to do it. The reason I do, I have naps. And if you guys want to learn more about sort of my napping routine and why I do naps and all of this, there's a number of benefits to napping. I know for a long time, I was kind of the secret <laughs> napper. Like I, I wouldn't tell people that I took a daily nap, daily 25 minute nap, because I just felt like people would think I was lazy or I wasn't, you know, being as productive as I could be. But there's a lot of cool things. So naps have been shown to improve alertness on creativity, productivity, even reduce things like the risk of heart disease and also prevent burnout, which I know is something that a lot of us struggle with in our field. And so you can find that podcast episode at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session nine seven. And I'll also put that in the show notes for you guys, just so if you want to learn more about naps. So let me just review real. So here are the things that I've mentioned four ways that I stay productive. First is I categorize my days. Second is I have four hour blocks for deep work. Third is my I do a midday hike or a workout followed by a 25 minute nap. So the number four thing is I respond to email and social media in the afternoon and I only respond for a one hour time block. This admittedly was very hard to do initially. And what I used to do was when I would start my day, even when I would get up, I usually had my phone nearby. And what I would do is I would either pull up the news or pull up my email. And what I began to notice was that especially when I checked news and my email, that I would have this feeling of anxiety kind of come over me. And what also started happening is I would start to respond to these emails and then others, or I would respond to like social media, like when people tagged me in social media on stuff, right? And what was happening was I was letting other people dictate my day versus me working on what I needed to. And so what often happened was I never got the big projects that I needed done, and so I started doing this in the afternoon just because, one, it gives me the morning to work on my deep work. 
And two, it lets me kind of respond to emails and, and respond to calls. And I block out a, you know, sometimes for the most part, it's one hour. Sometimes it goes a little bit over. But the reason I do a one hour block like that is because it lets me know that after that hour is done, that I'm done for that task until, until the next day, usually. The final thing that I do is I block out time each week, usually in the afternoon, to study my one thing. And so this is something that I, again, I've fairly recently incorporated. So for example, in 2019, my big focus this year is learning as much as I can on membership sites and and learning how to improve my own membership site, um, which you guys can check out over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash directory. And I I started doing this sort of study time because I know that many of us love to learn and that that process of learning is just so enriching. And it, it for me, like, you know, my wife, Susan, thinks I'm a total nerd, but I get so much joy out of learning new things. And so this allows me to sort of channel that joy. And but it also helps me to focus on deepening my knowledge of the one thing that that I want to to learn more about. And usually, the thing that I'm learning the more about is related to one of my big goals or related to the big goal that I have for the year. So in this way that I'm both simultaneously working to accomplish what I want with that big goal while learning more about that. And so I actually started incorporating this last year. And at the end of the year, it's really neat because you have this wealth of knowledge on this topic. And, you know, it's it's something that no one can take away from you. So um, I hope you enjoyed this session. And just to review, here are the five things that I've been doing just to stay productive. So number one is I categorize my days. And number two is I do four-hour blocks for deep work. Number three is I do a midday hike or a workout followed by a 25-minute nap. Number four is I respond to email and social media in the afternoon. And number five is I block out time each week, usually in the afternoon, just to study my one thing. So uh, I mentioned a number of different things and a number of research studies and stuff like that, you can find that again over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash session and the number 182. Um, I love doing episodes like this, these solo episodes. I would love to get your feedback on it. Um, if you get a second, if you could send me an email, melvin at sellingthecouch.com and let me know what you thought of this session and, and then we'll go from there. Have a great rest of your day and take good care and I'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Selling the Couch podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit www.sellingthecouch.com. Hey there, hope you enjoyed this replay episode. And again, just wanted to invite you to download the free online course guide if you are thinking about launching an online course and just want some things that have been helpful Uh, for me and some of the tough lessons that I learned along the way. You can again download that over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide. And as I mentioned right at the beginning, we're actually starting a live cohort called Online Course School. This is a great opportunity to join with other therapists to validate and launch and record your online course. The best way to find out about this and to keep updated when the core launches is to download, again, the online course guide over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash online course guide.
So if you've been listening to the STC podcast for a while, or you've been listening to podcasts and you've had this thought of, Mel, I would love to launch my own podcast in order to grow my business. Just wanted to encourage you to check out our free podcasting workshop, which is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop. You can basically sign up at a day and a time that works for you. It's 90 minutes. And when I do these workshops or when I record them, I truly believe in the quality teaching, so it's going to be well worth your time. We're going to go through gear recommendations and how to launch strategically and how to think about monetizing your podcast and how to line up your podcast with your existing offers and how to do it strategically and authentically uh, and not salesy and slimy um, and all of those things. So again, the link is over at sellingthecouch.com forward slash podcasting workshop.